Hallelujah. Lord, we worship you. We magnify your holy name. We thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for the greater things that are yet to come. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Let's make our confession. This is our year of Jubilee. We expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost and power. We believe for financial miracles and miracles of healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Say it with me. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Amen. You may be seated. We've been teaching on the ministry of Jesus for the last several weeks, and we want to go a little bit further in that. So we want to um, start in two different scriptures, in Luke chapter 4 and in Mark chapter 6. Luke chapter 4, beginning in verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit unto Galilee, and there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fashioned on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. And I all bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said unto them, You will surely say unto me this proverb, Position, heal thyself. Whatsoever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. And he said, Verily I say unto you, No prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you of the truth, Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elijah sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. And all they that in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath, and rose up and thrust him out of the city, and led him to the brow of the hill whereon the city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. But he, passing through the midst of them, went his way. In Mark chapter 6, verse 5, it says in concerning this same uh, event when he first went to Nazareth, and he could there do no mighty work, save or accept that he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. 
And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went round about the villages teaching. Now notice in verse 5 it says, and he could there do no mighty work. It doesn't say that he wouldn't. It says that he couldn't. Now this cuts crossways with a lot of people's idea, uh, their beliefs about Jesus and the way that he ministered and so forth. But it tells us that Jesus preached to them or began to teach them that he was anointed by the Holy Ghost. We know the story. Each of the gospel writers tell the story of how Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And during that experience, the Holy Ghost came and landed on him. He flew down from the heavens and landed on Jesus and remained there. So Jesus is saying in Nazareth that he is anointed of the Holy Ghost or empowered by God himself to perform healing works and miracles. But he was not able to perform those works and miracles because the people didn't believe. Now most people, I think in the body of Christ today, have the idea that if it's the will of God for something to be done, then it's going to happen no matter what. And Luke chapter 4 tells us that God has empowered Jesus to carry out his will, which can be summarized by the things that he says he's anointed to do. He's anointed to speak or preach, and he's anointed to heal. But he couldn't perform those healing works because of the people's lack of faith in the claims that he made. Now Jesus uses this opportunity to say that he knows what the people are thinking. They're thinking that he should do the same works in Nazareth that he did in Capernaum. Now since Jesus is telling us that the people are expecting or at least curious about the things that happened in Capernaum, I think it's important for us to see what took place in Capernaum. It says here, after the people got upset, Jesus walked through the midst of them and left. It says that he, in verse 31, he came down to Capernaum. He went back to the city of Capernaum where he got, had success. He came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. Now notice Sabbath days would have to be more than one week. So he stays there for a period of time and taught them on the Sabbath days, and they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. They were astonished at his doctrine. There are several times that the Gospels tell us 
that the people were astonished at his doctrine. Now, again, I think most people's religious idea is that Jesus performed signs and wonders, healings and such, to prove that he was the Son of God. But if that were the case, then Jesus wouldn't have had to have been anointed. He was the Son of God throughout his life. And he says himself in several places in the Gospels that he was not the one doing the works. Now, of course, he was being used by God to do the works, to perform the works. But the fact that he was anointed, specifically anointed to preach, to teach, and to heal the sick shows us God's willingness. But the method, willingness to heal and willingness to perform miracles, but the, the method, the way that it took place was through the doctrine that the people said they'd never heard it in this way before. They're not marveling at him. They're marveling at his doctrine, the teaching. Jesus spent a good portion of his earthly ministry teaching and preaching about the authority that God has given unto man. Now Mark's gospel, we're going to go back and forth between Mark and Luke to identify what happened in Capernaum and what never happened in, in Nazareth. Mark chapter 1, verse 21, and they went to Capernaum and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine. Notice they were amazed not by Jesus himself, but they were astonished at the teaching that he did. They were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. This phrase, as one that had authority, is better, better translated as he taught them that man had authority. That man has authority here on the earth. The word as is, it means how. It's talking about a method of something. He taught them how that had authority literally means to hold. He taught them the, the doctrine that they were amazed at. He taught them how to hold authority and not as the scribes. The scribes would teach that God's will was supreme and whatever God willed to take place would take place. And if God didn't will for something to happen, no matter what we might attempt to do, it wouldn't take place. But Jesus comes teaching that man has authority in the earth. And the people were astonished at that doctrine.
Verse 23, and there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority man commanded he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all that region round about Galilee. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now there's one of the, um, uh, if you've ever been to Israel, every tour I'm aware of will include the ruins of Capernaum. And one of the sites to see in the ancient city of Capernaum is Peter's house. They have, through archaeological discoveries and diggings, identified that it is Peter's house. They've even built a structure above it to protect it from the uh, eroding or damage to the site. So we know that he's still in Capernaum when he goes into Peter's house. Verse 30, but Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And at evening, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. So the works that were done in Capernaum that the people in Nazareth had heard of, that Jesus was aware that they had heard of, he knew that the stories had reached Nazareth even before he got there. And those were healing works that took place and all the city was gathered together at the door of Peter's house. Well, I, that, I understand why Jesus would expect the people of Nazareth to have healings and miracles just like Capernaum did. The whole city was turned upside down by the work of Jesus in Capernaum, but he couldn't get it to work in Nazareth. And he marveled at their unbelief. They thought they had some information. The people that were in Nazareth thought that they had some information that disqualified Jesus from being a miracle worker specifically that disqualified him from being the Messiah which some had already claimed him to be 
when Jesus teaches from Isaiah chapter 61 that the Spirit of the Lord was upon him and had empowered him to perform healings and miracles. It turned one city upside down and it made one city mad. The people in Nazareth were upset with him, angry with him. Because he claimed himself to be the one spoken of in Isaiah 61. Let's keep reading in Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when, all, when they had found him, they said unto him, Everybody's looking for you. All men seek thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. And he preached in the synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils. Jesus continues his healing ministry from town to town or village to village by ministering in their synagogues, certainly on the Sabbath day, but he's probably ministering there during the weeks as well. Verse 40, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. And he straightly charged him that, and forthwith sent him away and said unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way. Show thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. But he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter in so much that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city but was without in desert places and they came to him from every quarter. The testimony of the healing works that Jesus has performed in this case upon a leper became such a story that Jesus couldn't go in back into the cities. He had to stay outside the cities because everybody would... The normal course of life was disrupted because of the testimony that this leper gave And notice the leprosy. The leper was cleansed of leprosy just by getting a question answered. Now the reason I want to point this out is because just as in Nazareth had a question about Jesus being the heritage, 
Jesus was the son of Joseph and Mary, they thought, the people of Nazareth thought that that disqualified Jesus from being to claim him to be the Messiah. When he, when he begins teaching the, in the synagogues, well, this leper, he had a question too. He had something that he was unsure of that had he taken the same approach that the people in Nazareth took, then he would have failed to receive his healing even though Jesus will. So the leper comes to Jesus and says, I believe you, you can heal me if you only will. I'm sure he's heard of the things that have happened right in his own city. He was aware that the whole city turned upside down, so to speak, and came to Jesus to receive healing miracles. Folks, God doesn't get upset because we have questions. But it's how we approach him regarding our questions that make the difference. That question will stop the power of God or open those to the power of God to be received. His question was simple. Is it your will to heal me? Jesus was moved with compassion and stretched forth his hand instantly and laid his hand on this leper and immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And this guy told his testimony to such a degree that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city but had to resort to desert places that came to him from every quarter. And if we keep reading this, the story, it says in chapter 2 of Mark, verse 1, and again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. Jesus stayed outside the city of Capernaum, ministering in the wilderness, for some period of time to where his fame had decreased a little bit. People had moved on to talking about different things. But Jesus comes back into Capernaum. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. He preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick palsy, which was born of four. They could not come nigh unto him for the press. They uncovered the roof where he was. And when they broke it, had broken it up, they let down the bed where the palsy lay. Luke's gospel, or Luke's account of this, Luke chapter 5 and verse 17 and it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by which were come out of the town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. 
Notice that phrase, the Lord was present to heal them. Folks, when we read the Gospels and see the ministry of Jesus in operation, we see the results that Jesus got. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God is no respecter of persons. Then we can conclude that what he wills for one individual or one city, he wishes for the rest of them in the same manner. How are we going to turn cities upside down like Jesus did? Jesus said we would do the same works that he did. And even greater works than these shall we do because to be with the Father. I guess I don't think it's a perspective, but one of the things that I've dealt with concerning the works of Jesus and proclaiming that he is Christ the Messiah that he's Jehovah Rapha, God that healeth thee. And simplistically, I guess other ministers that have the same desire to follow these things or operate in these things as I do, I guess the idea is that if you just taught well enough, that you could get the same results as Jesus got. But the reality is, Jesus, who is the best teacher that ever could be, ran into situations where in spite of his teaching, people allowed the questions they had to gain the highest place in their belief system and as a result forfeit the healing power of God or forfeit healing miracles when they could present their questions just like the leper did and it becomes a stepping stone for receiving rather than the objection that detours the will of God to receive the healing that they need. But if we look at the people that are described in this fifth chapter of Luke's gospel, it says the power of the Lord was present to heal them. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. That tells us that the people that were in the house with Jesus packed in so tightly that they couldn't get anybody else in. There had to be sick people in that crowd. But it specifies that there were others in the crowd. The religious ones were there. So I guess crowds were back in Jesus' day the same as they are now.
Some people are believing and other people aren't. Now the victory that the leper experienced was so real to him that even though Jesus said not to preach it or to proclaim that he was the Messiah, it was so real for this leper. He disobeyed what Jesus told him to do and proclaimed the mercy of God upon him. I love the fact that it says that Jesus was moved with compassion when the leper came to him. Well, again, God is no respecter of person. If God had compassion, if Jesus had compassion for the leper, then he had compassion for me too. And the Bible talks about the compassion, the compassion of Jesus bringing about many miracle works. And behold, men brought in a bed a man which was taken with palsy. And they sought means to bring him in to lay before him. And when they could not find what was they bring him in because of the multitude and led him down to the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, Jesus said unto them, reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power upon earth to forgive sin. He said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy couch and go into thy house. And immediately before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all glorifying God. They were filled we have seen strange things, strange things today. Never been like this before. Jesus says, he puts something to the test. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Notice Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. And this is what's so strange to the people of that day that there are Jesus is teaching that man has been given authority. Jesus preaches everywhere he goes. And in some way or another, he preaches that man has been given authority over evil spirits and over sickness and disease.
I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 7. Jesus talks about building your house on the rock. Verse 24, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto him, wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. The rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great followed this. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these things, the people were astonished at his doctrine. The folks, your house, the parable of the man building your house on the rock, that's the exercise of authority from man's point of view, from man's perspective. And the people are astonished at his doctrine. They're amazed that Jesus is telling them that they have authority over evil works and the work of the devil and sickness and disease. Things that they're, they consider themselves to be powerless concerning. And so they're astonished at his doctrine. Verse 29, taught them as one having authority. This is the same phrase that we saw earlier. The word as is the word how. The word really means to hold. For he taught them how to hold authority and not as the scribes. Again, it speaks of the, the contrast to what the people are expecting or used to. Whatever God's will will be done. Whatever God wills will take place. And if something doesn't take place, it's because it wasn't his will. Which is very similar to the modern day church doctrine that many, maybe most Christians hold fast to in our day. But these people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them how to hold authority in described if you think about it the best way for God to make himself known among the people make his will known among the people would center around the, the teaching of man having authority in the earth and Jesus must be teaching about authority to such a degree that the people everywhere he goes, the people are astonished at his doctrine. Back to Mark's gospel, chapter 6. Verse and when they had passed over, they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore. And when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew him, ran that whole region round about, and began to carry about in beds those that were sick, 
where they heard he was. Whenever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch it as if it were but the border of his garment, and as many as were made. Boy, I'd sure like to see God do things like that again. Now, of all the things that we can read about that happened in Capernaum and the nearby regions, during Jesus' ministry, he curses the city of Capernaum. And in so doing, pronouncing this curse upon the city of Capernaum, where all these great miracles and signs and wonders, city-changing events, took place he said that it would be better for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah than it would be Capernaum he said if Sodom and Gomorrah had seen the signs and wonders and miracles that Capernaum had seen they would have changed and put God first in their lives Now to think that Capernaum with all the things that they saw, all the signs and wonders that they experienced, the miracles of healing that took place throughout Jesus' ministry there, there was something about it that they didn't get hold of they certainly believed properly and abundantly in order to see the works of God done. But they didn't allow it to make the appropriate change in themselves and in their lives. I wonder how many people who claim that if they see miracles, then they believe. This seems to disprove that idea. It came to the place where Jesus could go anywhere without the crowds thronging him. And there are examples that identify what God would have for us, his willingness to make himself known. In Mark chapter 5, We've got the story of the woman with the issue of blood. Verse 25, the woman which had, a, had an issue of blood 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and had spent all she had and was nothing better, it rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, 
She came and pressed behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Jesus immediately knowing himself that virtue or power out of him, turned him about in the press, and said, Who touched my clothes? And the disciples said, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he found about to see her that had done this thing. There are several different places in the four Gospels where it speaks of the crowds thronging after Jesus. And there are two times specifically that Jesus winds up sitting in a boat and pushing off just a little bit on the shoreline because the people were thronging him and it was the only way he could get away from them, arm's length away from them, so to speak. Instead of being drowned in the sea, The disciples to throng, the crowds thronging Jesus. Jesus is experiencing that over and over again, really everywhere that he goes. So when he asks, Who's my clothes? The disciples are marveling at him and said, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? people are trying to do is touch the, the hem of his garment touch him or, the, or his clothes and the Bible tells us that in city after city whoever touched his clothes was made whole that tells us something about the healing anointing or kept by certain substances material being one materials being included Jesus looks round about to see her that had done this thing but the woman fearing and trembling knowing what was done in her came and fell down before him and told him all the truth and he said unto her daughter thy faith has made thee whole go in peace and be whole of thy plague her faith made her whole and she was the only one in this crowd this multitude however much a multitude is I can imagine hundreds of people reaching out to touch him and in certain situations there were more than that but out of the hundreds of this multitude, only one person received healing. What about the other sick people in the crowd? We don't specifically know that there were other sick people, but it would certainly stand to reason. What were the people crying him for if not to receive something of him? But they're not operating in faith. They may help. I'm sure everybody's hoping for results. 
I'm sure every sick person in the crowd who have joined themselves to this multitude, certainly because of what they've heard But we've got only one person that's operating in faith and only one person reach, only one person sees the benefit that they went for. Now I'm glad that we've got these stories of individuals. But it stands to reason that since we have these individual stories of people who join themselves to Jesus and the multitudes, as in the woman with the issue of blood case, operating in faith, because it tells us we can conclude from this that your faith will work even if you're the only one believing. Let's say it this way. God doesn't withhold healing power to anyone, to any individual that's operating in the, the principles of faith the Bible outlines for us. even if they're the only ones that do. She was the only one that went out in faith to touch Jesus. Other people are touching him. The disciples were trying to get across. Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, who touched me? So you got a lot of people, maybe hundreds of people, that are touching Jesus, hoping for something. But only one person that's expecting something gets results. I think it's important for us to recognize that the victory one person receives through their stand of faith or action of faith are instructive to us so that we can always expect to receive what God has for us. Always expect to receive physical healing to us just as he ministered to others in his earthly ministry. Mark chapter 4, verse 1, and began again to teach by the seaside, and was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into the ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them, Doctrine, hearken, behold, not a sower to sow. And then he tells the story, the parable of the 
Supper, which is a parable that instructs us to speak the word concerning situations that we encounter, concerning circumstances we're in. Here's his doctrine of man having authority. Here's his doctrine, the teaching that he into telling man, telling us that man has authority in the earth and that the kingdom of heaven is entered into by exercising authority through the speaking of God's word. This is what the people are amazed by. His doctrine of how to hold or how to use authority. It says in Mark chapter 11, when the disciples to him privately and asked him about the parable, said unto them, unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parable. Unto you is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. There's a mysterious aspect to the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God would be the will of God taking place in your life here on the earth, just as it will be in heaven. What is that mystery? The mystery is what you receive is based on what you say. The mystery of the kingdom of God is left up to you. It's determined in your life to be the result of what you speak. And the people everywhere he goes, the people are astonished at his doctrine. Now, folks, they wouldn't be astonished at his doctrine if Jesus spent his early ministry saying, I'm the one. I'm the one that's got power. Don't you at home. But I've got all the power you'll ever need. After three short years of ministry, you would be left out of experiencing God's perfect plan for our lives. But if man has been given authority and the ability to take hold of what the Word tells us Jesus paid the price for, then it's up to us. And that's what the people are astonished at. They're astonished that it's not like the scribes tell them that if God has something for you, he'll just do it. And if he doesn't do something for you, then it's because he doesn't want anything for you. But rather, 
the authority has been given to man to determine through their own study, to their own belief, what will be in their lives. What will the conditions be in their lives and the boundary of those conditions will be determined by the words that they speak, the, the word that they sow into their own lives. Another thing Jesus said to them when they asked him about the parable, verse 13, he said unto them, not this parable, how then will you know all parables? The sower soweth the word. He's telling them that this is the basis, the foundation for all of the things of God being received in your life. And he says that the knowledge, experience, that the parables that he teaches brings to them comes down to the speaking of words out of your mouth is the basis of authority here on the earth. Verse 40, verse 26 of Mark chapter 4. He said, so is the kingdom of God as if a man should seed into the ground. The kingdom of God is entered by the words that we speak. Verse 30, and he said, where I like it, the kingdom of God, or with what comparison shall we compare it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth is less than all the seeds that but when it is sown, it groweth up and becometh greater than all herbs and shooteth out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. He says, the kingdom of God, though it starts as a small thing, though the words that we sow into our lives, the words that we speak, seem at the beginning to have little impact or little power, it grows up into what could become the biggest or the biggest part of the kingdom of God in our lives. As well as I do, that whenever we step out, reach out to take hold of some blessing of God that the Bible describes to us. The devil comes to us quickly to tell us that there's nothing that's taking place. And when we can't see the results, he tells us that the results are not coming. But the principle of the kingdom of God is to speak the word of God, exercise our authority by speaking the word of God. It may not look like it's starting as much, 
but it becomes the biggest part of our lives. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, unto the country of the Gadarenes. And when they came out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no man could bind him, no not with chains, because he had often been bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken into pieces. Neither could any man and always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar so off, he ran and worshipped him, and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee, my God, that thou torment me not. For he had said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked, thy name? He answered, saying, My name is Legion, for many. And he besought them, him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there were at the high end of the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into, into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. And there were about 2,000. And they were choked in the sea. Say they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And when they came to Jesus and saw him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right hand, they were afraid. Seems like they would have been afraid it was like that. And they that saw it told him how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil. And also concerning the swine, they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been with the devil prayed him that he would be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but said unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord has done for thee, and has had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. Well, I can certainly understand why this guy would want to join himself to Jesus and the disciples. But instead, notice he made a big deal. He began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. All men did marvel. So Jesus had times when people were pressing upon him that they produced. But other times people were pressing upon him in the same manner that didn't produce results. And we look back at when Jesus was in Capernaum and the doctors of the law and the Pharisees and the scribes 
were there. He couldn't have had a bigger crowd than what he had because there were so many people in the house that no one could make room for somebody else. We would have the opportunity to say that it was a great time for the church because we had a big crowd. But the crowd was made up of people that had already decided that they were going to Jesus. And they began to, the scribes and the Pharisees began to discuss with the Herodians how they could destroy Jesus. Folks, that's not a real good example that many ministers would like to follow today. I don't know that I would be real proud or happy to look out above the, around the crowd wondering how many people are trying to destroy me. But being satisfied because the crowds were up, our attendance numbers are up. But what it really comes down to is that we found the goodness of God's word. We're speaking God's word into our lives. And therefore, by definition, taking hold of them. Walking by faith in the fullness of what God has. Jesus wasn't moved by the crowds and as we said before no one could do a better job of teaching than Jesus did in John chapter 6 it tells us that Jesus begins to talk to his disciples in the multitude about the Passover sacrifice. He says to the multitude, except someone eat his flesh and drink his blood, they can have no part in the kingdom of God. Well, the people that are there take that literally and claim that Jesus is breaking the law of Moses and it says the crowds left him great multitudes turned around and left him and his disciples and says are you going to Peter answers and says, we have nowhere to go. He doesn't say, no, we'd like to understand what you're saying, but we're with you no matter what. Instead, Peter says, 
we think very similar to the way that the people that just left you do. But we don't have any way to go. So Jesus destroyed his own crowd simply by telling them something that they didn't understand. Crowds don't matter to God unless people are in operating in faith, unless their heart is right toward God. The size of the crowd really doesn't matter. Jesus would rather have a small crowd that believe in his word than a big crowd that aren't committed to it. Mark chapter 6, verse 53. And when they had passed over, they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore. And when they were coming out of the ship, straightway they knew him and ran to the whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they had heard he was. Whithersoever he entered, into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the but the border of his garment and as many as touched him were made whole. Folks, that's God's plan for his people. That's God's plan to mankind. And this is the work of the church to proclaim and declare that God wants everybody healed from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. And the healing power of God is available to bring about such results as they're described here where people touching his garment brings about complete and divine health I believe that Jesus wants to do the same things today as he did when he was here on the earth. I believe that the last days will show such a display of the power of God where everybody that's sick And made whole to the same healing power 
the same healing anointing that Jesus operated in when he was here on the earth. How can Jesus be the same yesterday, today, and forever if he doesn't produce or bring about these kinds of works, these kinds of results, these kinds of healing miracles through the church? We look at these things, or I look at them, and I somehow attached to them the idea that this would be a, a very rare occasion, a very unusual work. But these were things that took place with Jesus when he was here on the earth. And almost in everyday fashion. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also. And even greater works than these shall you do because I go unto my Father. I think we've got some things to look forward to. This is who Jesus is. And with the man that they let through the tiling of the roof, he proved that forgiveness of sin and the healing of the sick were comparable in that the same power that forgives sin is the power that heals sickness and disease. Remember he asked the religious leaders who were there, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? The point that he was making, it was the same power. The same power that forgives sin. The same power that we walk in. The forgiveness of sins that brings us into the family of God to begin with. Is the same power that heals sickness and disease. Even extreme cases like paralysis and leprosy. I believe we've got some things to look forward to. Father, in the name of Jesus, we see that everything that Jesus did for us is accessed by the prayer of faith. And the prayer of faith is the, is the prayer that believes it receives when it prays. So, Father, we believe that we receive the healing anointing
that breaks the yoke of sickness and disease. In the same measure that Jesus operated in, in these examples that your word gives us, We believe, Father, that we receive healing from the top of our head to the soles of our feet. And we believe that we receive the healing anointing that heals all that are sick. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Say it with me. I am healed, I am healed. by the stripes of Jesus from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. In Jesus' name, Jesus name. Amen. amen. Hallelujah. Our God is good, and his mercy endures forever. Amen. have a great day and let me apologize up front for those Kansas City Chiefs fans <laughs>